Thanks, Alvin. Lekker. Thanks, Shirley. Great. Your uh, enthusiasm is... What is it? What is Engels? I can't even What do you call Contagious. Contagious is the right word, man. Not infectious. All right. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be together. There's just no one like you, able to liberate a soul and, 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 and break chains and, and, and shake prisons and just get us out of our, 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 our ruts and out of our, 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 out of our stuff. Lord, we thank you that you deliver us from ourselves and that you get us back on track. And so this morning, Lord, we want to, just as we have been worshiping, so we want to declare and say, God, have your way. Lord, have full control, and, and you have our hearts, and, and we love you, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. Just bless you, Lord. Coming down to those who didn't deserve. That's us. Lord, we want to confess this morning, none of us deserve your goodness, your kindness, your favor, your speaking. None of us Deserve your confrontation, your conviction, your, the repentance gift that you give. We don't deserve to being saved from the demons, being saved from the pit. We don't deserve the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living or here beyond. We don't deserve your kindness, God. And this morning, the undeserving want to declare to the deserving, we are so glad. We are so grateful, God. You are good, Lord. You're just so good, Lord. Come on. Huh? Right. So my name is Cassie. Um, for those who don't know me, I think I know most of you. It's a privilege to be together. And let's just stick together and try and find the Lord in this. I really believe that the Lord is speaking. Um, my, my, my prep time this week has been a bit less than, 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 uh, than what I anticipated. I forgot about the gathering of yesterday. <laughs> And I usually, my, my top prep time is Saturday afternoon, so at some stage it was just like, oops, yeah, uh, slight, slight miscalculation, okay, recalculating. Um, so in any case, come and see how it I want to start uh, with, a, with a well-known psalm, it's Psalm 23, and I just want to read this in the context of the table. So for those who have been with us for a few Sundays, we are speaking about tables, and, 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 and Ruan has it on his heart that the Lord wants to speak to us about tables where he wants to seat us and where he wants to feed us and where he wants to meet with us. So the topic of my, of my preach, I thought, would be maybe something like a table in the midst, you know? Maybe I should do that. Or he sets a table, or you prepare a table. But I settled on the, 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 final, the final topic I settled on was... The enemies, the Lord, and the table. All right. So let's go. The enemies, the Lord, and the table. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Put your name in there. And he restores Cassie's soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And can I just say, every encouragement, correction, and thing that we are facing this morning, that we are confronted with, like deal with that offense, or 
forgive this person or whatever we are, we are confronted, jump into the river. It's for His name's sake. Because we are not reflecting God well if we are not dealing with those things well. We are marred. We are twisted image of God. We don't represent Him well walking with the stuff of the devil. All right? Amen. Just listen how David shifts. And this is our shift. He goes through, the Lord is my shepherd. He does all these great things. And then he says, but wait, wait, wait. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And suddenly from declaring there out there the great God, suddenly it becomes, but you are with me. And your rod and your stuff, they comfort me. And there's something where the Lord this morning wants to shift all of us closer. Not just the Lord is my shepherd, but you are my shepherd. And you are with me. Your rod and your stuff. Beautiful is that. I walk through the valley, all of us, most of us know the psalm. And then is this, this point. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Say with me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Struck me yesterday as I was looking at this well-known psalm that the, that the psalm starts with the Lord and the psalm ends with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It will be the Lord forever. It's like this is the, this is the tuning fork in our lives. The Lord forever. And, um, and I believe that's, what's the, that's what the Lord wants us to do. So all of us are confronted with some enemies. And I'm not just speaking of natural enemies. I'm speaking of demons, curses, stuff that are holding us back, drawing us down, destroying and stealing, killing in our lives. All of us. It's not unique to you. It's not unique to me. We don't have to throw a pity party, although we do feel like it at times. It is common to all men. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you are facing is common. Say with me, common. It's common. <laughs> Like uh, the, the Bible writer, one of them, he said, listen here, what you are facing is common to your brothers. The temptations you are facing is just, and what's more, the Lord who is ready to save us came and became son of man so that it would be common to him too. Every temptation, it says every temptation which we are facing, he faced that very same thing. The rejection, the, all the accusations. All the hurts, the pains, the what's it. He faced every one of them. Sexual temptations, uh, offense temptations, anger temptations, unforgiveness temptations. Whatever thing you can think about being, being stolen from, being wrongly accused, being just like everything you are facing, you and I, we are not separate from that which our Lord was facing. And He's so ready to come and help us in that very thing. All right. So, so we have got... A savior who is desirous to come and walk alongside and say this one thing. I know how you feel. Like really, I do know how you feel. And that should encourage us. And he doesn't want to do it generically like I know how you feel. No, I know how you feel. Grant and Kath this, this week, they were coming and, 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 a, and a blind deaf dog walked in front of them. They drove over them. But it wasn't their dog. It was their neighbor or their the, the, the family member's dog. 
And that was just as they were coming to when we were gathering. And it's, it's like this, man, this is the devil, you know? It's just like, just now. Or, or, or um, yeah, I'm going to take a few. And, and, and the point is, we, we, we're facing like, hey, this is not right. This is just like, and who, who knows that feeling, you know? Like, just as you want to follow the Lord, there's this adversity. But Jesus would be the one that says, I know just how you feel. I, I've been there. I've done this. I've felt this in my own body. And can I just say, as long as we are walking in the same stream as the devil, right? There's usually little confrontation. It's the moment that you turn around. That's normal. All hell will break loose. <laughs> the demons are usually quite satisfied to just leave you descend into the abyss, into the decay, without too much prodding. But the moment that you turn around and you want to go to where, the God, where God wants you, which is the opposite to where the devil wants you, right? So it's a turning around that is needed. The moment that you do this move, it's suddenly it's like it just becomes so difficult. And, um, and I think all of us should take encouragement is that the difficulty of the devil is common. And in the midst of those enemies, the Lord wants to do something. Good. So there was this verse, or there is this, this portion of Scripture in Hebrews 1, where it speaks about God coming, and He has spoken in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in Jesus, right? So let's just read this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, yes, I love, I love this portion of Hebrews. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, you know, and in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, and that's still the case today. He's actually going to speak to us by Jesus today. Whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by His word of power. So He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds everything by His word of power. Now, you know we're speaking here of the Son of God, but we're also speaking of the Son of Man, right? And it's interesting, as I'm looking at the, at, the, at, the, at the people who met Jesus, like who walked with Him in real life, how they wrestled with this thing of, of, of He could actually be God, you know? So, as I was thinking of this yesterday, I, I thought of a skit, you know? So I wrote a little skit, and Darby, if you can just come to the front, just for this, for this example... Of the wrestlings with the fact that the exact imprint of the nature of God, the radiance of His glory. Mike stand, face stand, butter stand. All right. Um, how, how, how they wrestled. So here, um, we, we know that Jesus was a man just like us, all right? All of us like us. He didn't shine, although He was the radiance. He looked just like Darby. Now, I know maybe Darby shines too much, but maybe he looked just like, I don't know, like Grant, you know? <laughs> but I picked Darby. Right? Just because Jesus looked rather ordinary. So here could be a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. All right. So, so here could be a conversation that could have happened while Jesus walked the earth. So he could have been here, but he chose 2,000 years ago. But here would be, hey, how are you doing? Um, what's your name? 
I'm good, thanks. My name is Jesus. Jesus. Oh, well, that's interesting. What, what would that mean? Uh, it could mean Jehovah is salvation. Oh, wow. Jehovah saves. It could, even, it could even mean, we could even say it means um, the self-existent God that frees. The self-existing God that frees. Wow, that is so cool. So what, so what do you do? I uphold the universe by my word of power. You do what? <laughs> I uphold the universe by my word of power. So what are you doing here? <laughs> All right, and the conversation would go on. But I'm just, I'm just, I was just confronted by this thing that here is the God who upholds the universe by His Word. Thanks. Can we just give it a Davi? Thank you, Davi. I actually, I actually gave him something where, where you should just read it off, but he mem memorized it. So, huh? Like a Davi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must be married to Sonico or something. <laughs> All right, um, but I was just confronted with this thing of God, the humility of God, just confronted the guys continually. The, the exactness of God in human body was so that, I mean, here was John, the, the baptizer, and he was born to declare that here is God. That was the sole mission John came for, is to reveal, to draw back, to say, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why John was there. When, when that was finished, he could die. He, he, there was no need for him to be there anymore. That same John, just a few chapters later, is like, is it you, isn't it you, why are you so ordinary? The disciples, you know that many times we quote Peter, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and, and it's like, wow, flesh and blood. The disciples were saying that thing from the beginning. You know, if you, if, you, if you look at the disciples right at the beginning, the very first two that would follow, would follow Jesus, um, they would say, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have, they were already saying that. But at some stage, a few chapters later, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? It was like, <laughs> we, um, we're not quite sure. <laughs> we are, we, we, um, just tell us, just tell us again. You know, and the Pharisees, they couldn't get their head around the humility and the ordinariness and the, the sort of the humanness of God. And up to this very day, we struggle with this thing of God being out there and God being right here and God being so majestic and God being so ordinary and God being, and that wrestling we probably will have intentionally by God for as long as we live. Let's engage in it. To find the humanness, the, which is just like us, but not making him human, rather finding him as the son of man. And finding him as the majestic son of God. I believe God wants to reveal that. Now, the context um, is obviously God wants to set a table and he wants to speak through his son. He wants to speak to us through Jesus. And somehow you and I, need to find the majestic and the ordinary God uh, in, in our day. How do we find the majestic? Well, we read the Bible. <coughs> Some of us have, have, a, have, a, have a 
the Solomon's colonnade experience where it's just the worship and, and maybe we're taken up, we see visions, we, we have an angelic encounter or, or any of those things, which is like, it, it, it ruins you and, and changes you forever. And it's like just the great, the majestic God. And how do we find him like in the son of man? Well, sometimes just by sitting next to a brother, having a braai, breaking bread, eating some soup, just having a conversation. And we hear the living God through like ordinary Ordinary, ordinary people, like common people, like you and I. <laughs> so if there are some of you that are royalty, please put up your hand. But the rest of us, we're ordinary, you know, ordinary royalty or something like that. <laughs> All right. So the Lord wants us um, to find him. And I, I don't think this morning, as I'm, uh, I'm going to point a few things that are on the table, because I want to look at the menu on the table. I don't think I'm going to say something new necessarily, but we're going to reinforce what the Lord has been saying. So um, Ruan has been speaking about um, the, the, the table and the various things. We had Jason here from the UK who was speaking about finding the Lord's timing and his positioning, i.e. hearing what the Lord is saying now. Um, Charles was here. He was speaking about uh, um, not just having the knowledge, but having the relationship. And then um, um, who, uh, 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 rule of last week, he was, he was saying, of receive the, 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 the restoration of his government at the table. So this is the, this is the things which I believe the Lord will be reinforcing in our midst as we're looking at a table set in the midst of our enemies. Are you ready? Good. So the, I think there are five things that I want to point out which is on the menu for you and me. All right? We have to eat everything that's on the menu, by the way. Okay. So what's on the menu? One, we will look at the Word. Two, the body of Christ. Three, faith. Four, the presence of God. Five, adversity. The menu is the Word, the body, faith, presence, and adversity. Let's start with the Word. Now, most of us know um, the scripture in Deuteronomy, but um, when the Israelites were in the desert, um, the Lord gave them troubles. And it's interesting that he did it very intentionally. It says he let them hunger. He let them hunger. You think like, yo, it's a bit hard, but he let them hunger to teach them something which is more precious than just having been hunger. There's a revelation that would be, or, or let me say, it's more precious than just being filled with, with food. And, and, and he explains it here. And he humbled you, Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna. He let you hunger and fed you. He let you hunger and fed you. A process in our lives. Letting you hunger, feeding you. Letting you hunger, feeding you. For a revelation to come, and this is the revelation. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I felt uh, it necessary to just check what that, what that live would mean in the Hebrew. The word is kaya. And so, so, so if, if God says, I want you to, uh, to live by every word, not just by bread, but by every word, this is what he's thinking of to revive, to nourish up, to preserve alive, 
to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore, to save, and to be whole. This is what the Word of God is here to come. It is here to come and quicken us. It is here to come and restore us. It is here to come and revive us. It is here to, to quicken us, to make us whole, and to save us. This is why we have to be in the Word on a daily basis. Because we live by it. We get sustained. Life is preserved while we engage, first of all, in the written, as Fritz mentioned at the beginning, and then through the written with the spoken. How does it work? Well, you start with your portion of Scripture for the day, whatever way you approach it, and you read it. And you anticipate a speaking of a living person behind this written curtain. And you anticipate that something will be lifted. And as the, 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 the tugging comes, we, start, we stop, we respond, we pray, we maybe write down, we maybe commit to do something, make a phone call, send a message, write down a, whatever. It's like we engage with the written to engage with the spoken revealed. Amen. So we need to eat of the word. That's on the table. As I mentioned, it's revision, reinforcement. Two. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. I need to interrupt myself. Just a quick testimony. Um, I've, I've got a specific little business that I'm praying for every, every so often. But I don't have much time to pray for it because I've got a number of other things that I also want to pray for. So every now and then it's like, Lord, this little business, I trust you to bless it. And my hope is, Cassie's hope, that the Lord will say, all right, here's the stream of blessing. You know, it's sorted for the next few months. Okay, general, I bless you, you know, and everything is sorted out. <laughs> that is my hope as I pray for the business. Now, my frustration is that mostly I find a God who doesn't like to respond that way, although he does at times. Mostly, he wants to speak to me about the business on a daily basis with little instructions and lead me step at a time. That's how I find him. My expectation is that you might find him in the same way because he is the very same. What does that mean? Your word is there, lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, but usually it won't be long spotlight. It will usually be something one step at a time, one day at a time. It's just like give me my daily bread. It's somehow the thing that the Lord likes. Why? He wants us close. A general blessing, I, need, I, I can come to him once a month, once every few months, ask for the blessing, and then go again and enjoy the blessing, you know, but not the Lord. He says, listen here, close, close, right here. If I whisper, I want you to hear it. That's where my Lord, that's where I find the Lord. And it forces me close, uncomfortably forces me out of the other things that I still wanted to do. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I have to come close. And it's not that I don't want to be close to the Lord, but there are so many things I need to do. <laughs> and, um, and they compete. And we think they're such good things. And some of them are. But the Lord wants us close. All right. The Lord wants us to live by the daily. Although we want it different. The second thing, so we live by the word. And so in the midst of the enemies, remember, it's the enemies, 
the, the Lord and the table. So in the midst of these enemies, all the things that need doing, hear the Lord, respond to the Lord. That's where the bread is going to be. We need to hear the word on a daily basis. Point number two is the body of the Lord. Hopefully none of you have looked on your watches because I haven't and I've got no idea how long I've been preaching. Um, when you come together in Corinthians, it says, 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together, so we're thinking we need to eat the body. It's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So the Corinthians didn't get it right. Um, for in eating each one, say with me, each one, goes ahead with his own meal. Say own meal. For each one own meal. That is not the Lord's Supper. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I won't. For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord on the night when he was betrayed took bread. Say with me, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body. Say, this is my body. Great. Which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 29, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Okay. So, the first thing that we can recognize from this portion of Scripture, a bit difficult to interpret, so beware before you answer, um, is uh, there's an eating and drinking component. There's a table of the Lord. There's a supper of the Lord. There's something which the Lord has prepared. And we can safely say it has to do with His body, all right? I mean, we were just now, uh, you had to discern the body, and, and you had to receive the body, and the body was broken. And So here's the question. If there's a body that needs to be discerned, that needs to be seen, what is the body? Which you and I need to discern and eat in order not to have the judgment component, all right? To have the proper Lord's Supper. Any, any, any answers? John? Us? Good. Any other takes? <laughs> Body of Christ, yeah, sure. Anyone for the bread? No, no, no. I mean, I mean he, he, part of what we were reading is, this is my body. Is it, uh, so do we need to see the body of the Lord in the bread or the body of the Lord in the people that you eat with? That's actually the, the question. Right, here's, here's what I think is the answer. It's both. And, um, and I think it's important for us to understand that the Lord has got this duality to him. There's, there's this, he's in so many different places. But somehow, we need to understand that, 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 um, the, Lord's, that, uh, that the Lord wants to partake of his broken body with a sign of communion. And he wants us to partake of his broken body through one another. And we need to hold both intention and discern it. Don't miss the broken bread. Don't miss the body that is for us. And can I just say, I think sometimes we are broken for one another. All right? We go through crushings for one another. We receive life 
because our brother took some beating for us. And we need to discern and appreciate and partake of that. So what is the body of the Lord that we need to feast on? What is the Lord setting? I believe we need to partake of communion. I really do. Okay? And I believe that we need to partake of one another with an expectation that this is the body of the Lord. Uh, and he's given us. I think it's both. Right or wrong, that's at least what I think. <laughs> we need to discern it, and you need to discern it right, else you will have judgment. I'll go with my part. <laughs> right, that's the encouragement. Right, look, let's, let's just pray together. Just pray after me. Lord Jesus, please help me discern your body and help me to enjoy every part of it. Amen. All right. I want us to, to pray through some of these things because as we pray and as we pray together, grace is released. It really is. Says the prayers of the righteous make tremendous power available. There is a little bit adjectives there as well. It means like the way that you're praying. But I mean, in principle, grace comes as we pray and seek. The third thing that I believe at the table. So at the table, we have got word. At the Lord's table, that's in the midst of the enemies. We have got his body. At the Lord's table, I believe there is a meal of faith. And I want to show it to us quickly. In Jesus, uh, in Jesus 6. In John 6, verse 35, Jesus is on everything. It can be Jesus 6 as well. But in John 6, verse 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Say with me, I am the bread of life. That's right. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Now, here's the difficulty. Here's the difficulty. The Pharisees were struggling with that thing that I just now said. It's like they see him, but if he says that he's God, I mean, he can say anything, but don't say that you are God because we're going to throw you with stones. I'm going to kill you if you say again that you are the Son of God. You know? It was so up their faces. It was so confrontational. The, 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 this, they just, and I mean, the whole Old Testament, which they studied from A to Z, all the time, was predicting this. But they couldn't deal with the fact that God could be man. And can I just say, today we will have the same challenge, just in case we think we won't. We will have, we will have challenges about the ordinary, ordinariness of God. If there's such a word, now there's one. Okay, The way that God can be the word that we hear today and it's so difficult for us to hear it and believe that it is God. You have seen me, yet you do not believe. And I want to encourage us. At the table of the Lord, there is a faith meal. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me. There's a, there's a faith component. There's something where we need to step out of just hearing to a place of, I believe that this is God most high speaking. And I'm going to respond in such a way. I'm going to respond out of faith. We need to partake of that. And just being in the presence of Jesus, hearing the words of Jesus, doesn't guarantee that we will respond with faith. Uh, I mean, the Bible is clear. It's a clear, good example. Eh? We've got thousands of examples. That the fact that Jesus was speaking didn't mean that people were responding. As a matter of fact, they wanted to kill him. And it was the Son of God. And same for us today. 
So on the table, I believe there is worth, there's body, there is faith. What else is there? There is presence. There's something where we need to partake of the presence, which I just want us to, to, to consider. Like, what, what is that? What, what would that mean? Um, so Hebrews 9 says the following. How long preach I now, Alfred? Three hours, half a year. Yes, you're two are still waiting for me. Okay, Hebrews 9 verse 1, I'll go with the three hours. Okay, <laughs> now even, no, just joking. Um, Hebrews 9 verse 1, now even the first covenant, we're speaking Moses' covenant, all right? Even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness, that is the tabernacle or the tent, for a tent was prepared. The first section, which was called the holy place, in which were the lampstand and the table, which Ruan referred to, and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Okay. Yeah, that's the, only, that's the only part. Okay, so pause there. Then Matthew 12, verse 4, Jesus refers to this. And Jesus speaks about David. And he says, didn't you know about David? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So in this tent, in the tent of Moses, there was bread put on the table. It had to be fresh, had to be put there continually, and it had a name. It was called the bread of the presence. But it was a symbolic thing, all right? Here is the bread of the presence. And then they will command the priests, okay, you eat. And the priests would sit down and they eat. Every day they had to eat fresh bread, the bread of the presence. Only the priests were allowed to eat it, but they had to eat it. So on the one hand, it was privilege. On the other hand, command. But it was the bread of the presence. And we know that the whole Old Testament picture reveals something of a reality of, of the Spirit, right? Every centimeter, they called it something else. What is it? Daima, what is it in the Old Testament? Cubit. Every cubit. What is it in my case? Fingers. But every bit had a spiritual significance. Everything was according to what is in heaven. Every sign, every, every table, every shovel, everything was revealing a spiritual reality. The bread of the presence reveals a spiritual reality. The priest had to eat the bread of the presence. So in the new covenant, who is the priest? Yeah, great high priest, and we are a kingdom of priests. So who needs to eat the bread of the presence? Command it. Now, who op this aarde gaan jy dit doen? Uh, because, because somehow we have to do it, you know? It's like, you have to eat the bread of the presence. It's like, okay, but, but, but how do you do it? Like, do I take communion? Or do I, what do I do? Now, for me, practically, partaking of the bread of the presence, I don't think has anything to do with physical eating. I think it has to, be, it, it has to do with becoming aware of God. Um, one of the ancients, wrote a book, I think it's Brother 
so-and-so, Brother Lawrence or Brother someone, um, wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. Do you know that that is applicable for ordinary people like you and I? Practicing the presence. And for me, a, 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 a practical way for that will be, I'm going through my day, I need to go from one appointment to the next, and then at some stage, before I get into my car or whatever, just to stop. Completely. I'm not thinking of anything else that needs to be done, how late I am, or any of the others. Nothing of that. Just this. Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. We need to partake of the presence with, with intention. We have to stop and appreciate and eat the bread of the presence. Is there a prescription for how often? I'm not sure. Let's, let's search the scriptures and find out. Let's start somewhere. Maybe we've never done this. But let us partake. I believe that in the midst of the enemies, he sets a table. In the midst of the desert. In the midst of the war. In the midst of those things which are up your face. Which are just so, ah! There's a call to come and sit at a table that the Lord has prepared. And he wants you to partake and become aware of. Amen? Privilege but command. Now I want to mention the fifth component of the table in, in, in the same breath as the fourth one. So we started with, we need to partake of the word. We need to partake of the body of the Lord. We need to partake of the faith of the Lord. We need to partake of the presence of the Lord. But now I want to encourage us to partake of adversity of the Lord. All right? And here are one or two scriptures which I think will help us. The first Scripture is found in Isaiah. In Isaiah 30, we've got these two verses. It says, And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity. Say with me. The Lord gives you the bread of adversity. Many times we think the devil gives you the bread of adversity. But I want to encourage us that there is a specific adversity designed for you which will shape you into the image of Christ and you do not want to miss it you do not want to walk past that cabbage on your plate you don't want to you don't want to omit those broccolis or that whatever that is for you spinach spinach makes you strong you know it's got iron in it all right. So the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So we need to, we need to um, understand that somehow in the midst of our enemies, the Lord sets a table which includes the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Say with me, ach, nee. 
En dis nie wat ek gekom het om te hoor vanochtend toe. Nee, oh man. Skip die deel van die Bijbel. Okay. Um, uh, uh, we, we were discussing at the, at the time of elders meeting, we were just discussing a, a controversial scripture uh, in, um, I can't remember where it is, Timothy or something, where it says, um, the woman was deceived and she shall be saved through childbearing, you know? And it's like, what does this mean? And what is this? And this is so unfair, you know? The woman can't speak like, they also wanted to be like the head a little bit and make the rules, you know? And, and, and all this, all the, like, but the, but the point here is just this. You might be in a situation where you think, this sucks. This portion, which I have, whatever that might look like, maybe it's a portion where you feel like you're a slave to your circumstances, to your life, to what your parents chose, and it really didn't help you. You're a slave to, this portion is not what God wants for me. This sucks. Look, I don't know exactly what, what is happening, but what I do know is that the Lord chooses your lines to fall in pleasant places. And the Word says, you have a good heritage. And I want us to look at another portion that will bring to light some of the gems in the difficulties. And it is a portion in... Um... um 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians says, This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, if we cannot see that the Lord uses the fire for our good and He makes everything of those things work for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes, then we have a fleshly response. Alright? What does a fleshly response mean? Somebody hits you on the cheek, you are angry. Fleshly or spiritual response? Fleshly, obviously. Alright? Um, somebody bumps your car, drives off. Okay? You are super frustrated because it was a new car and you saved long for it. Okay? Fleshly or spiritual response? Obviously fleshly. Okay? Um, etc., etc., etc. I mean, we can, we can think of hundreds of examples. Um, you become ill with cancer. Why did the Lord do this to me? This is so unfair. I still have my whole life in front of me. All the things. I wasn't chosen for this team. This, that guy, I'm really better than that guy who is playing in my place. It's his father's money that bought him the place. This is not right. And whatsoever the various responses are. Fleshly or spiritual responses? Fleshly. Okay? A fleshly response is totally understandable. All of us have exactly the same way of responding to the adversity. But can I just say, a fleshly response is no glory. It works nothing, produces nothing. It is only when we can switch in the adversity to praying for the one who has bumped the car and driven off, for blessing the one who is in your place in that team, for 
for, for, for trusting for the good of somebody else and having a spiritual response above the flesh, then we start tapping into an eternal weight of glory. Do not waste your suffering. Do not miss what is on the plate. There's bread of adversity. If we partake with faith and we respond in a prescribed Jesus way, it works. If we don't, it does not work. You'll go through the same suffering, but get no glory. Just, that's all a waste of us, ne? The suffering, the, the suffering doesn't produce glory by itself. It produces when we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. There is a prerequisite. Ons moet reageer. Dat is so'n mooi skrif wat, wat het vir my illustreer. In 2 Kings 6, here's the story of 2 Kings 6. It's in, a, in the times of the prophets of Israel, and the kingdom of Israel, by that stage, is in two kingdoms, a northern and a southern. Southern is called Judah, northern is still called Israel. But this is in the northern kingdom, and Israel kingdom is like bad news. Like bad, they're really bad. Like they, 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 they're the bad guys in the story. They don't serve the Lord, they are far from Him. But God, in the midst of that, raises godly prophets, like burning ones. Shining ones. And one of them was Elisha. He moved in real power. He knew things far in advance. He, he, he saw the dead raised. And he saw the miraculous. And he saw the provision. Like Elisha was moving in the power and in the favor of God. And at some stage, one of the enemy kings says, I'm going to wipe this man out. Where is he? I'm going to send the whole army after that one man. Which is what he does. He sends them by night. They come and they surround this little town where Elisha is, the servant is a good guy, at that stage at least, at some stage he becomes a bad guy, but the servant rises up, well I think it's the same servant, but irrespective, the servant rises up, looks around and says, oh my hat, the whole city is surrounded, we're paced, I don't know if he knew that they were coming for Elisha, but he had the idea this is not good news, because those are not our guys. So we pick up the story from 2 Kings 6, verse 15. The servant of the man of God rose early. Remember, the context is the table in the midst of the enemies, right? Table in the midst of the enemies. The servant of the, of the man of God rose early in the morning, went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, and he said, Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That's a nice spiritual response, all right? And then Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So here we see a man walking in an absolute ungodly kingdom, but he's connected with heaven. And as the enemies come, he is able to see the spiritual. He's able to see that those who are for, do you know that those who are for us are more than those who are against us? Do you know that there are more angels available at our disposal than what there are demons available to the devil? Do you know that he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world? Do you know that, that they are all for us? 
But we need to see it. You need to see it. And I need to see it. The person next to you needs to see it. Or they will probably have a fleshly response to the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. To the enemy armies that surround them. Just put your hand on on your neighbor's shoulder or just touch them in some way. Pray for him or her. Lord, let his eyes be opened. Lord, let her eyes be opened. For your name's sake. Amen. Listen here, we need to see the chariots of fire. So in closing, everything on this menu is there to bless us. Maybe I could just get somebody on the guitar, piano, harp, (laughs) flute, or something like that. Everything on the menu is there to bless us. Everything... All the, or, or everything that the Lord sets before us is not just there to bless us, but to make us a blessing. We, we were discussing yesterday at the, at the gathering that, that um, it is a greater blessing to be able to give than to receive. So when the Lord wants to bring us through, and He wants to bring every one of us through, He wants to make us blessings. He doesn't just want to give us blessings. Amen? He wants to make us blessings. On this plate, probably the bread of adversity will make us the greatest blessing that we can be. I mean, everything will help us. But the bread of adversity brings a softness. It brings a compassion for somebody going through a difficult trial. It brings a, I I know what you're going through. You receive a comfort from the Spirit of God directly. And you're able to bring it to somebody who is not yet hearing the voice. You are the interface. You are the, you are the love interface into a broken world. You and I, we are. God wants to bless us. And He has designed the table. Oh Lord Jesus. You know, during the week, we, we had this gathering of the various communities, and I think many of us were there. And at some stage, the, the table of the elders collapsed. There was this bookie that just collapsed. And I mean, it was just chaos. Food and plates and everything was on the floor. It, a spontaneous collapse, you know. And, and um, you can say of it what you, what you want. I think it's the devil, you know. The, it, it, it's, it's, it's a table that was overturned. But there was a time when God was overturning tables. It was Jesus that walked in to a temple place. And he said, I don't like these tables. The guys were trading and they were thinking they were helping God. I think some of them really thought they were helping God. They were supposed to help the worshipers, you know. Have small change, animals and stuff. But he says, these tables don't help what I want to build. And in our lives, in your and my life, there will be tables which are from the devil, which Jesus wants to overturn. And when there is a breaking down and overturning of tables, the one thing that we need to ask ourselves, is this the devil overturning a table of the Lord, or is this the Lord overturning a table of the devil? If it is the Lord, we need to help him overturn them. Don't be angry like the Pharisees. Just overturn the tables. Those good things, 
in our prayer meeting on, on, on Friday morning, Alvin had a picture just of, of, of the life of God that wants to grow, but it's inhibited by man-made structures. And in our lives, there will always be this thing, this clash, the life of the Spirit and the control that we have. We will need to relinquish control. Ons moet het opgee. Ek kan nie in die rivier klim en beheer bou nie. I need to. We, we, we remain responsible, but we don't remain in control. We surrender it to a greater spirit. And we need to discern who is overturning the tables. Let's overturn with him if that's what he's doing. There was a movie called Barabbas. Barabbas was the guy who was freed when Jesus was killed, you know? The notorious sinner. And in the movie, I don't know if it's a real story, but in the movie, Barabbas ends up in Rome. It's right at the end of the movie. And in Rome, there was a wicked, wicked ruler and king. It was Caesar. I think it was Nero at that stage. He wanted to frame the Christians. And so he set his own city on fire and said the Christians were doing it. Right? He was setting his own city on fire. But in the movie, Barabbas gets saved as Rome is burning. It's like he's got an encounter. Until now, he was just living for himself. And here at the end, he, he finds like, that God, or that, that man that was killed in my place is my Savior. He is my God. And I'm going to help him, you know. And if he's overturning tables, then I'm going to overturn tables. And so Barabbas in the movie, he sees that Rome is, is burning and he hears the false message from Nero that the Christians are doing it. But Barabbas doesn't know better. And he says, if the Christians are burning down Rome, I'm burning down Rome. And he starts to set the rest of the city on fire as much as he can. And, and I just feel that that is such a nice picture of the enthusiasm of serving the Lord. Sure, it's misplaced. I get that. You missed it. That is what the Lord wants. Is there something which the Lord is setting on fire which He doesn't want to say? Set it on fire with Him. Obviously, is there something that He's restoring? Restore it with Him. Can we do that? Right. Just, let's just um, keep uh, remain seated like we are. Or you can any position that you want to. If you want to kneel, if you want to remain seated, if you want to stand, you do just as you feel comfortable. But let's just pray together. I'm just going to lead us in this prayer. Please pray with me. Father God, please help me to see what table you are setting and which one you are overturning. Please lift my eyes above my enemies to see my God, my good, good shepherd, and the table set before me. I want to see what is on the menu and eat of everything for your name's sake.